What's going on, Top Notch Sports fans? Coming back to you guys for the first episode of 2020. I know it's been a long time since I dropped the episode, since the recap of 2019. Uh, I do apologize for that. I have been busy. I do apologize for not coming through with the episode um, with me and my guests. Just did not work out. I do promise to get those episodes here in 2020. You will not just hear from me. You will get other people's sports insight and opinions this year. Um, but other than that, man, first episode of 2020, I'm recapping Colin McGregor's big win over Donald Cerrone, a small NBA segment on why it was a bad choice, in my opinion, for the Lakers to trade away Brandon Ingram. Super Bowl preview, Chiefs versus 49ers, and the boxing matches to be made here in 2020. So stay tuned. Here we are, kicking off the first episode of 2020. Let's get it. Last weekend, Conor McGregor had a fight scheduled with Donald Cowboy Cerrone at 170 pounds, a welterweight limit. This is Conor's return fight since his last fight against Khabib. And a lot of people felt like Conor needed this win. He needed this win. I'm, for one, you know, I am one of those people that really felt that Conor needed this win. And he got it done in spectacular fashion like he planned on doing. A lot of people feel that this is you know, Connor's comeback fight and things like that and his comeback win and now he's back on top. But I even with the loss with Khabib in two thousand eighteen, I never felt like Connor really left the top of the mountain. I mean, uh he's only had one one fight since, you know, the Floyd fight. He fought Eddie Alvarez in two thousand sixteen became a two-way world champion, and he went on to fight Floyd in 2017, then came back 2018 to fight Khabib. I mean, a lot of people, it seems that Conor has lost a lot, but when it comes down to mixed martial arts, he's only lost to Khabib recently within the last two, three years. <clears throat> so this win is big for him, just off the fact that Conor has been inactive. That's how I feel. With him being inactive, I think, you know, this is what makes this this win, a big win for him. And Cowboy Cerrone is no slouch. This is a leader in head kick knockouts, leader in post-fight bonuses, leader in UFC wins. Cowboy is no slouch. He's Cowboy's pretty much has fought the best of the best his entire career. So for him to beat Cowboy in 40 seconds, uh, hard shoulder strikes, head kick, ground and pound, TKO victory for Conor, where a lot of people felt like Cowboy could – um take Connor into the deep water the third, fourth, fifth round and possibly finish Connor. That wasn't the case. Connor went out. I knew Cowboy was a slow starter. Connor is a fast starter. I did not expect him to come out with the shoulder strikes. I expect him to pretty much kind of walk Cowboy down, look for the left hand shot and see how Cowboy would take it. But he hit him with some hard shoulder strikes and followed up with a head kick and finished the fight. So the big question is what's next for Conor McGregor, man, when when you're at the top of the game in combat sports, whether it's 
boxing or MMA, it's always multiple fights that can be made for you. When you think about when Floyd was on top of the boxing game, even still now, Floyd is retiring and a lot of people still bring his name up. But when you're at the top of the game, there's so many fights that could be made. Back in 2010, after Floyd had beat Marquez, um, a lot of people felt like the you know the the Pacquiao fight was a fight to be made. Shane Mosley was coming off a big win on Margarito. A lot of people wanted to see him fight De La Hoya a second time, even though he was retired. A lot of people wanted to see him fight the winner of um, Ortiz and Berto, Miguel Cotto. All of these fights is what people were looking for. Now you you know you look to now 2020 with Conor McGregor just coming out for the win with Cowboy and the fights to be made. It's a list, and with these fights that I have, it can be other fights that can be made other than these, but the potential fights of Conor McGregor now, who says he wants to be active, he wants to fight at least three times this year. Of course, on the top of the list, on top of everybody's list, it's going to be McGregor versus Khabib, too. That fight broke records, broke UFC records. A lot of people are going to want to see that fight happen again. So, of course, a rematch with Khabib is what Conor wants. It, Dana White wants it. Me as a fan, I want it. I'm pretty sure Conor's team wants it. I mean, we'll, the UFC would be a fool. Dana White, they would be fools not to make that fight happen. But next, if you are a hardcore UFC fan, you will understand some of these fights as well. McGregor versus Justin Gaethje. Gaethje's been calling out Conor for about the last year or so, saying he wants to teach him a lesson. And things like that. And Justin Gaethje is a phenomenal fighter. Top lightweight in the world. In my opinion, he could be next for a title shot. Of course, Khabib is scheduled to fight Tony Ferguson. Who knows what happens after that? Who knows if that fight actually happens? But Justin Gaethje is at the top of the ladder as well. And he and Conor McGregor, that would be a big fight as well. Anybody who fights Conor is going to be a big fight. But that is a fight that can be made. I think it makes sense as well. Styles make, you know... Their two styles will make a very, very good matchup. You, I mean, you can pretty much put Gaethje in there with anybody, and Gaethje will have a phenomenal fight, a fantastic fight, a fun fight. Next will be the man who was at the fight, Conor McGregor versus Jorge Gamebred Masvidal. A lot of people want this fight. I want this fight as well. I'm a fan of Conor McGregor. I am a fan of Jorge Gamebred Masvidal. Been a fan of Masvidal. Masvidal says he wouldn't... He wouldn't back down from, from a fight with Conor. We know that. Masvidal says he wants to break anybody's face that steps into that octagon with him. It's a fun fight, man. It's a it's a fun fight for the fans, for the company. It's going to make big money with Masvidal's name. Now, his name has really grown after his big 2019, knocking out Darren Till, knocking out Ben Askren, brutalizing Nate Diaz, becoming the BMF champion. Masvidal is on a big mountain as well. And you got the top guy, Conor McGregor. Those are the you know two top guys, two big draws. You know, that fight makes sense at 170. You know, Conor says he wants to you know continue to fight at 170. He can go back down to 55. It's fights for Conor to be made at 45, 55, and 70. Um, and last on my list is McGregor versus Tony Ferguson. They have bad blood as well. Tony Ferguson's been calling out Conor for at least about two or three years now. We'll see what happens with. Tony Ferguson versus Khabib. I believe that fight is in April. 
if that fight goes through, we'll see who wins. But I, I feel like in 2020, those fights can be made for Khan, either one of those. And it's just like I said, man, it's other fights that can be made. You can go with McGregor in a Dustin Poirier rematch. Poirier has looked phenomenal since moving up to 55. He wants that rematch. He's gotten a lot better since that first fight with Conor that they had at 145 featherweight. It makes sense. Um, I I do recall Jose Aldo won the rematch with Conor McGregor. Um, that fight makes sense as well. He knocked out Aldo in 13 seconds. I mean, pretty much crushed Aldo and his featherweight legacy at that time when he just finished him that quick when a lot of people really weren't taking Conor serious. They thought he was a joke. They thought he was a clown. They called him a joker, and he beat the UFC's top featherweight at the time. He was the only UFC featherweight champion. So that fight can be made. <clears throat> Conor can also get a fight with the welterweight champion, Kamaru Usman. He says he wants that third belt. It, it makes sense. It, me, I, I feel like this. If it makes money... It makes sense. Any You can put anybody in there with Conor McGregor. It's going to make money because he's that big of a draw. And last on my list is a rematch with Max Holloway, who has clearly, 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 clearly gotten better since, they fight, uh, since their fight in 2013. Max is what a lot of people believe to be the best featherweight champion of all time with his wins over Aldo twice. He defeated the young upstar... Brian Ortega, he defeated Frankie Edgar, he defeated Anthony Pettis. Holloway has a resume out of this world as well. That fight would be very, very inter interesting to see if it takes place at 45 or 55. We don't know if Max is going to get a rematch with Volkanovski, if he's going to stay at 45, or if he's ever going to move to 55. But those are fights to be made for Conor McGregor. It makes money. It makes sense. Conor McGregor is back. I'm happy to see that he is back. And um, it's going to be an interesting 2020. So it's a lot of big fights to be made. And, you know, Conor McGregor is the biggest draw. So, I mean, who knows? We're, I'm hearing rumors about Bob Arum and Top Rank are negotiating a fight between him and Terrence Crawford. Manny Pacquiao is interested in fighting uh, Conor. A rematch with Floyd may be in the books. Who knows? We know Floyd is coming out of retirement here in 2020. Anything can happen this year when it comes down to combat sports. And when it comes down to Conor McGregor, you never know. So, man, stay tuned if you are a UFC fan, if you are a Conor McGregor fan, because I do believe it's going to be a big year, a big year. The UFC has constantly improved year after year, you know, for I would say the past four to five years. It gets better and better. It gets better and better. They do not fail to keep us on the edge of our seats. So, man, look out. Just look out for this year, Mixed Martial Arts 2020. And next on the list is my NBA segment. It's a small NBA segment. I'm, I'm covering pretty much one topic today. Um, and my topic is Brandon Ingram being shipped off to the Pelicans for Anthony Davis. We all know about that trade. And if you are a basketball fan, if you've been paying attention to basketball, you know that Brandon Ingram has been playing at a phenomenal level um, all year long since being a New Orleans Pelican. And with that being said, man, and I've always been a fan of Brandon Ingram since he was at Duke. Um, I was not that, you know, I wasn't that big of a fan with this trade where they sent Lonzo, Josh Hart, these first-round picks, Brandon Ingram for <coughs> Anthony Davis. I, I, I just wasn't a big fan of it. 
And I feel like this year it, it proves to be correct at times. Of course, the Lakers are the best team in the West off of their uh, record. They, I mean, they're playing great basketball. But if you watch what happened to the Lakers when they played the Clippers twice this year, when they've played the Mavericks at time, even though they've won those games in the most recent game, the Boston Celtics game on Martin Luther King Jr. Day. Those are games, to me, that shows that keeping Brendan Ingram would have been much, much better for their team because the, clearly the offense runs through LeBron and AD. It's a kind of a two-man game. Everybody else kind of plays off ball, plays off those two. It has shown to be effective. It has shown to be effective, but when you play certain teams, it's not as effective as I stated against the Mavericks, against the Clippers, against Boston recently. I've seen I've seen spots on the court where Brandon Ingram could clearly be effective, and he can give LeBron and AD a break. And with AD having you know injury issues, Rondo having injury issues, Avery Bradley having injury issues. You, if you keep Brandon Ingram in, in that mix, you are a better team. Kyle Kuzma has never been better than Brandon Ingram. I've always said that. Kyle Kuzma is not better than Lonzo Ball. I've always said that. I do believe what played a factor into the Lakers shipping those two off was injury-related issues with Brandon Ingram. He did miss some time his rookie year, last year being his sophomore year. And we know, of course, Lonzo missing games with the ankle and the knee and things like that. But that doesn't take away how good these guys are. They were the number two pick for a reason. And you look at what Lonzo has done since he's come back from his knee injury. and He's fixed the shot. He's always been a good on-ball defender. He's always been a great passer. He plays with a lot of effort. So does Josh Hart. He's a three-point shooter, three-and-D kind of guy with a lot of effort. You factor how they're playing in New Orleans – you put them on this Lakers team with the coaching staff that they have, Frank Vogel and Jason Kidd and all those guys. Look at look at what those guys are doing for Dwight Howard. They've just brought his game back to life. Of course, he's always been able to play, but the coaching has really allowed Dwight Howard to excel in this system. I do believe the same thing for the Lakers team. They didn't have a good coach. They had Luke Walton. Luke Walton is not a good coach. He's not. Let's just keep it real. <laughs> Luke Walton is not the best coach out there, but when you put these young guys with a coach who knows how to develop them, even you know, veterans, look at as I stated, look at the White Howard. Look at what this young this former young Lakers court, which is a Pelicans court now, is doing with Alvin Gentry. He's he he's molding them and, and shaping them to be great players and they have great team chemistry. But Anybody that plays with LeBron James, you're going to be a better player. Kyle Kuzma's average, excuse me, Brandon Ingram is averaging 25 points on the season this year. Seven rebounds, four assists, about a steal a game, about a block game. Not the best defender, but he's a pretty good defender. But what the Lakers is missing, and, and, and I've always said this since the season started, since they made the trade for Anthony Davis, they're missing a third guy that can create his own shot, that can get his own shot. That's why I constantly pushed, pushed, pushed. You can go back to old episodes. If you know me and we've talked basketball, you know I wanted the Lakers and LeBron and those guys to go after Carmelo Anthony. I want them to get Melo because Melo, he was he was under the understanding who whatever team picks me up, 
I know I will have to play my role, which could be a bench role or whatever the case may be. I just want to play basketball. Carmelo is a perfect vet to put on that team that can create his own shot and he can play off ball. Look at what he's doing in Portland. Everybody was writing Carmelo Anthony off and look at him now. He's playing very well in Portland. Playing much better than what he did in Houston in the 10 games that he played. I believe it was 10 or a week or two weeks, whatever the case may be, in his entire season in Oklahoma City. He's playing better basketball now than he did then. And if you disagree, feel free to argue with me. Feel free to debate with me. But I'm, I will stand on that. Carmelo Anthony's game is much better than what it was within these last two years. It shows. Now, if you put a Carmelo Anthony on that Lakers team, they're a much better team because they have a guy who can hit big shots in the clutch. Carmelo's playing with a lot more effort. He knows what's at stake. He knows what's at stake. So he's playing with a sense of urgency. I never doubted Carmelo's ability to play basketball at all. He's getting older, of course. He's not going to be a 25 points per game guy. Not even a 20. But he's showing this year I'm a good 15, 16. That's what the Lakers need. That's what the Lakers need. A guy who can get his own shot. A guy who can play off of LeBron James and Rajon Rondo and Anthony Davis and those guys. But the Lakers signed Jared Dudley. A guy who barely even plays Quinn Cook. A guy who barely even plays when you could have got a Carmelo Anthony. When you could have kept Brandon Ingram. The, the Pelicans were interested in Kyle Kuzma. I... I believe Kuzma is a good player, but I was never too sold on Kyle Kuzma's game. I was never sold on his game. He's been injured this year. Of course, he's not getting the big minutes that he did. He's only averaging 13. I would take Lonzo's production, and I would take Brandon Ingram's production over what Kyle Kuzma is doing this year. You look at what Lonzo's done his last few games. He's averaging 12, 6 rebounds, 6 assists, a steal a game on, on a good 30, 31 minutes. Two three points made. The way he's been shooting the ball has been phenomenal. The Lakers need that right now. And with trade talks and trade rooms coming up, I think it would be in their best interest to try to get something for Kyle Kuzma. A guy who can <clears throat> create his own shot, possibly another vet on that team. Or you go and sign Darren Collison, who's expressed his interest in joining that team. They need another guard. Rajon Rondo is injury prone. He, miss, he He may play four to six games, and he, he may miss the next three or five. You cannot have that when it comes down to playoff time. You cannot. You need a reliable guard. Darren Collison can be that guy for the, for, for the Lakers. He's a playmaker. He's a decent defender. Go get Darren Collison. Trade somebody for Kyle Kuzma. I'm hearing rumors that Derrick Rose may be in those trade talks. It's a great pickup for them. I believe it's a great pickup for them, the way Derrick Rose is playing, the way he's reinvented his game. But the Lakers, I'm not taking anything from the Lakers. And me, you know, to me, I, I still stand on that they're my favorite to come out of the West, even with the two losses that they have to the Clippers. The Clippers have their issues too, but a lot of people won't talk about that. But we, we'll get to that another day. But the Lakers right now, let Brandon Ingram grow. That wasn't the best. That wasn't the best choice. I, if I was a NBA GM, I wouldn't have done that. wasn't the best thing to do. I've always seen the potential of Brandon Ingram. He was a second pick for a reason, man. Magic Johnson wanted him there for a reason. Magic Johnson wanted Lonzo Ball for a reason. 
Lakers need to wake up and try to make a change because Kyle Kuzma right now is not that guy. Feel free to uh, let me know what you guys think on this. But I, for one, I stand on that, man. Kyle Kuzma, it's a lot of guys that was just saying, a lot of people saying Kyle Kuzma was the best out of that young core, and it was just crazy to me for them to really just think that. When you look at Brandon Ingram's game, man, inside-outside score, he's a great shooter. He's shooting the ball very, very well this year. He made 35 threes last year. He's made 91 this year in counting. He still has a remainder of a season to go. He's having an all-star season. I believe he should be an all-star. I think he gets voted in by the coaches. It's always a coach's vote. I believe he gets in there. And what is Kyle Kuzma doing? He's missed games. He's 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 missed shots. He's done. I mean, if you don't believe me, watch the Boston game and watch and look how out of whack that Lakers team looked. Boston ran all over those guys. Kimba having a great game. Jalen Brown, Jason Tatum looked amazing. Cancer playing great defense. They could do no wrong. Gordon Haywood making plays. They could do no wrong. And the Lakers just looked absolutely shook. But, man, that's the end of my NBA segment. Feel free to let me know what y'all think about that. Brandon Ingram should be a Laker. He should be a Laker. Y'all know what time it is, man. A quick Super Bowl prediction. And uh, if you guys know, if you do not know, it's the 49ers versus the Chiefs. That is our Super Bowl this year. Um, If you know me, my Super Bowl prediction was wrong. I was picking my Baltimore Ravens to be in there with the San Francisco 49ers. I would say I I, I believe in that around week seven, week eight. It was a thought. I... Me, I'm be honest, I did believe that the 49ers would somewhat fall apart and choke, you know, late in the playoffs. I, I did think Aaron Rodgers and those guys were setting up to do something magical. I call Aaron Rodgers miracle man because, man, he's done it before. I did think that the Packers would somewhat shock those guys, but I was wrong. I have no problem admitting that I was wrong. I did not believe that the 49ers could make it this far. But now I do believe that they have a chance to win the Super Bowl. I, for one, am a believer. I've always believed in their talent, but I did not think it would last this long, which moves me to my prediction for the Super Bowl this year. I am taking the 49ers to defeat the Chiefs. 27 to 20. It may sound crazy to a lot of people because the Chiefs are a high-powered offense, and I do believe that their fast offense could create some issues for the 49ers defense, but I believe that the issues only come when you move Patrick Mahomes out of the pocket. That's the only time I do believe that the issues may start because he's very, very good at extending plays. He, you know, I've seen a lot of quarterbacks be able to extend plays, and he's at the top, you know, I believe. He's up there when it comes down to extended plays, Carson Wentz, when he has the weapons and he's in his, you know, he's in his groove. Russell Wilson's great at, I mean, 
Patrick Mahomes is a top quarterback. He may be the best quarterback in the game, but I do believe that that fast, quick, physical front line of the San Francisco 49ers will get to Patrick Mahomes. I believe they sack him a few times. They may even create some turnovers. Nick Bosa, DeForest Buckner, Eric Armstead, those guys can play, and they put pressure on quarterbacks and offensive lines and running backs like no other. I, I, I've always stood by it. That was the best defense in the league. Of course, the numbers, numbers don't lie. The Patriots' secondary were the best defense. They had a great secondary, but you have a front. You have an it. This 49ers defense reminds me of that Super Bowl Eagles defense with a better secondary and a faster front seven. Quan Alexander, all those guys, Kurt Warner, Greenlaw, those are some solid, solid linebackers, man, and they create troubles, and I do believe they're going to create troubles come Super Bowl for guys like Travis Kelsey. I love Travis Kelsey. I do believe he's the best tight end in the game. If not, if he's not the best tight end in the game, that guy on the other side of the field is, on the other team is, George Kittle. I do believe Jimmy G and those guys can put some pressure on that offense as well with that play action with Tevin Coleman and, and, and Mostart, the way he's running the ball. I knew that kid was going to do some damage to a lot of other teams with, with the way he ran the ball against us when we played them in the regular season. Debo Samuel. Then they have a very, very underrated offense, in my opinion, because there's so much focus on their defense. I do believe that that quickness of their defense can cause trouble for their Chiefs team. I think, I mean, I wouldn't even say I think. It shows. The 49ers defense takes your best things away as an offensive team, and they, they limit your abilities to score, and I think that's what they're going to do to the Chiefs. I, maybe the Chiefs, I think Mahomes throws for maybe two or three touchdowns, possibly. But I do suspect them to be held to maybe two or three field goals. And I do believe that the 49ers defense can set them up for solid scoring opportunities, giving them half of the field and things like that. That's how good that defense is. It, it sets that offense up to score. Jimmy G doesn't have to drive down an entire field to score. 80, 90 yards, 60 yards. Sometimes he, he doesn't even need that with his team. I think in the Super Bowl, that will play a factor right there. Their defense, I do believe, has putting, has taken some of the top offenses away. I believe the game that they looked at their most vulnerable was a game against the Saints. But they still found a way to edge that. Big play from George Killer down the line. Expect George Killer to have a big Super Bowl game, man. Expect him to have a big – he's a fast tight end that can block – Physical. I I believe that they're the more that, that they're the more physical team. I'm not taking anything away from the Chiefs. Mahomes is great. Tyreek Hill, Travis Kelsey, a few guys on that defense are pretty good. But Ty Tyran Matthew, the Honey Badger. But I do not believe that that is enough to overcome Jimmy G. Most start Tevin Coleman, George Kittle, Emmanuel Sanders. That defense, man. Richard Sherman. Look at look at the way Sherman has played. He's always been there to make a big play. He made a big play last week. 
I believe he's going to make big plays this week. He knows how to play that cornerback position, despite what Darrell Grievous said or anything like that. He's a great corner, man. He's he's shown he's still a top corner in this game. A lot of people roll him off after he tore his Achilles and he wasn't looking good in Seattle, getting burnt and things like that. He was getting he, yeah he was getting abused at times, but he has found he's found that edge again. He's found that edge again. I don't think anybody expected the 49ers to be this good. I didn't. I expect him to be a good nine nine win team, possibly getting a wild card. I didn't expect him to be this good, but they are. With that defense, Quan Alexander, Greenlaw, Kurt Warner, Nick Bosa, Akilo Witherspoon. Come on now, man. If you are not a believer of this 49ers team, I learned my lesson. I learned my lesson the hard way. I learned my lesson the hard way. I did not expect them to beat Green Bay. But they did, and they're in the Super Bowl for it. And that's why I'm picking them to win 27-20. to 20. I think they... Give Patrick Mahomes all he can handle. We have yet to see, man. We got two weeks into the Super Bowl, man. Y'all let me know y'all Super Bowl predictions. That is my Super Bowl preview. So, man, tune in. Like I said, man, let me know what y'all think about the Super Bowl. I will be posting this on my Snapchat, Instagram, and my Facebook. So, feel free to comment under any of those posts. Let me know what y'all do, what y'all do think about Brandon Ingram, Conor McGregor, the Super Bowl prediction, and also my boxing matchup to be made in 2020. Feel free to add your own. That is the last segment that's coming up next. In my last segment, this is the last. <laughs> that's, that's funny. As I stated in my previous segment, this is the last segment of this episode. Boxing matchup to be made in 2020. I do this every year, man. Uh, even before I started recording my podcast, I would just write down what what matchup should be made for the boxing year. And it's funny that when I look at I look at these matchups I have written down, man. I don't have Canelo on this list. I do not have Canelo on this list because I'm not I'm not sure where Canelo could go. I you know I've heard rumors about the um Billy Joe Saunders fight. Which makes sense, you know. Um I wrote that down in one of my, you know, boxing previews last year. I do remember writing down that he should fight Billy Joe Saunders when Billy Joe was at 160. Billy Joe's a super middleweight now, fighting at 168. But as long as a fight happens, then, you know, I, I do believe my, my job was done as far as predicting that fight to happen. But same fight that was on the top of my list last year, towards, you know, in the middle of last year, is on the top of my list this year. It has to happen. It's 2020, and we have to see none other than Arrow, the Truth Spence Jr., Unify, with Terrence Bud Crawford. It's the fight that everybody wants, man. It makes the most sense at, when it comes down to 147. If that fight doesn't get made, then you have to put Spence up with Manny Pacquiao. It makes the most sense. Every champion in boxing right now is looking to unify his division. You got Wilders that's looking to unify his. 
Tank may find a home. He may want to unify his division. You got Spence and Crawford that want to unify their division, as as well as the other non-champions. Sean Porter's still hungry to do it. Keith Thurman as well. I'm pretty sure Danny Garcia wants to unify that 147-pound division. Don't rule out many Pacquiao. Pacquiao backs down from no one. He ducks no one. I'm pretty sure all those guys want, want every belt. They want to be the top guy, the legit top guy at 147. Those guys at 160 want to unify Jamal Charlo, Gennady Golovkin, Demetrius Boo Boo Andrade. All those guys want to unify, man. But like I said, man, Spence versus Crawford, that's the first on my list. It's the first on my list. I want that fight to be made, hopefully, by the end of this year. It would be great to end 2020 with a Spence Crawford showdown. Bob Arum, Al Heyman, as fans, we need this fight. We deserve this fight because we've been waiting for so long. We don't want another repeat of Mayweather and Pacquiao. Trust and believe, man, I love Floyd. Floyd is my favorite boxer of all time. I was happy and excited to finally see that Mayweather Pacquiao fight. Me as a boxing fan, I wasn't disappointed. I know a lot of people were, but I wasn't. You know, Floyd did exactly what I expected him to do. That was our boxing in Pacquiao. Pacquiao was a smaller guy. Floyd was a smaller boxer. His feet were faster, where a lot of people said Pacquiao would be able to close that distance and, you know, create, you know, troubles for Floyd, but he didn't. But I don't want to wait six years to see a Spence versus Crawford, you know, fight. I do not. So end of 2020 is my prediction for that fight to happen. I know Earl is looking to come back, I believe, in May or June. I think he takes a fight there. I'm hearing it may be Manny Pacquiao. He beats Pacquiao. It's no other reason why he shouldn't fight Terrence Crawford next. That would be the only belt to get. So we'll see. But next on my list is another unification fight that we've been waiting for for two years, three years. Since he won his belts, it's Wilder versus Joshua. Wilder versus Joshua. And I think now, I think it's even more interesting now that Joshua lost. Wilder had a tough fight against Fury in a draw. Now, him, he and Fury running back in February. Joshua lost his belts, and now he's got them back. Wilder, Fury in February. I believe Joshua will be taking on, um, uh, I forget the man's name. Um. I believe it's Pulev. I believe he's uh looking to find a fight with him. Take that fight and then fight Deontay Wilder. It makes the most sense, man. You cannot run from that man. He's 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 been itching for this fight for a long time and a lot of us fans have been you know, we've done the same. We want that classic heavyweight showdown. We got it with Wilder and Fury. We get to, you know, see it again next month. But Hands down, those are the top three heavyweights, and we want to see those guys fight. But the the one we want to see the most is Wilder and Joshua, so that fight has to happen this year. We've been waiting since 2017, since Joshua defeated Klitschko. It's, we've been waiting too long, man. Three years is enough. Three years is enough. It's time to make that fight happen. Next on the list. If you are not a hardcore boxing fan, you may not know these guys, but they are the champions of 168. 
It's David Benavidez versus Caleb Plant. Man, that matchup right there. Whew, that matchup really gets me hyped, you know, to watch boxing because that's like the classic slick skill defensive boxer that Caleb Plant is. And then the offensive juggernaut that David Benavidez is who throws seven to eight punch combinations. And he, he's walking you down. He's got a great jab and keeps his hands high. And he puts so much pressure on you until you break. And that's what he's done to pretty much everybody he's fought. Darrell. Darrell broke. I love Anthony, Anthony the dog Darrell. I love him. But he broke. He got a nasty cut. He couldn't do anything to keep David off of him. Jay Leon Love in, in, in his fight before that, he broke Jay Leon Love. Benavidez is tough, man. He's a big guy at 60. I believe he's about 6'2", 6'3". But Caleb Plant is something about that defensive mastermind type of style, counterpunch boxes that really catch my eye. And that's what Caleb Plant is. You watch his last fight with Mike Lee. His, his title winning fight against Uz Kalagi. Any fight before the end where he worked to get to the title. He's slick, man. Got good feet. Solid left hook. Good jab. Good upper body movement. He knows how to score points to win fights. That's the fight that has to be made as well. It's another unification fight. The WBC versus the IBF. That fight has to be made. I can be a boxing promoter, man. I'm, I'm, I'm out here putting some good fights together, man. Next one on my list is Jamal Charlo. Jamal, not Jamal. Jamal, who fights at 160. We got to see him versus Demetrius Bubu Andrade. Bubu's been calling him out since he was fighting at 54. Bubu moved up to 160. Jamal eventually moved up to 160 after he knocked out J-Rock Williams. He got him a belt at 160. Bubu holds the IBO. De La Hoya pretty much crushed a lot of people's dreams who are fans to see Charlo versus Canelo. He said that fight won't happen. If that fight doesn't happen and if Charlo can't get Triple G, it makes more sense to, for him to fight Demetrius Bubu and Gerard. It's two young lions, two young warriors who has who, who has a belt, IBO, WBC, and it deserves to happen. I, I, I want to see Jamal get better competition. I believe a lot of people don't, you know, they use excuses on why they, you know, on why they're not going to fight Jamal Charlo. They use excuses. Danny Jacobs' excuse was he wasn't touching M's yet. I'm touching millions. I'm touching M's. That's not an excuse to, you know, that's not a valid excuse on why you shouldn't be fighting that man. The best has to fight the best. So get that fight going. If it's not Danny Jacobs, I believe Jacobs may be fighting at 68 for his, you know, future just uh, defeated uh, Chavez Jr. Then make the fight with Demetrius Andrade. I believe that fight gets made. Charlo wins that fight. Then it opens the eyes up for De La Hoya and Canelo. Maybe we need to fight this guy. Maybe Triple G. Maybe I need to fight this guy. Same thing for, Demi uh, for Demetrius Andrade. He beats Charlo. He gets the fight that he wants with Canelo. Who knows, man? It's a win-win for, you know, whoever wins that fight. Even the guy who loses, it still fights for you to be made out there. Chris Eubank Jr. is out there. Who knows if Danny Jacobs comes back down to 160. It still fights to be made, you know, so that fight needs to happen as well. Next on my list is Lomachenko versus Gervonta Tank Davis. For a, a good year and a half now, I think a... Uh, 
a lot of people's hunger for that Tank Loma fight has grown. It has really grown, and you know, Loma gets better every fight, Tank gets better every fight. They show us something new where like, okay, we gotta get this fight going. We gotta get this fight going, and that's one of those fights where it's a fan-friendly fight as far as just how can I put this? It's I mean, the only way to put it is that styles make fights. Styles make fights. And when you see Loma's style, which is different from what we've seen in the past few years, to me, I I look at Loma as a as a hybrid Manny Pacquiao with the way he, you know, he moves. It's, it's a new version of Manny Pacquiao to me with Loma. The way he moves, the way he throws punches, and the way he switches stances, it's just, it's new. It's high-tech. That's why they call him high-tech. He he looks to me like a hybrid Manny Pacquiao. And it's fun to watch. And then you see Tank, this young, strong, 130-pound, 135-pound guy that's putting guys on their back pockets. And we want to see if Loma can take the punch, or we want to see if Loma can, you know, cause issues for Tank with his movement and his and his pattern and things like that. That makes you interested in the fight. Can this guy do this? Can this guy do that? That's what all of these fights say. That's the narrative about a lot of these fights besides it's a unification fight. A lot of my fights on here are unification fights. But a lot of them also scream at you can this fighter do this against this fighter? Can this fighter take this punch? Can this fighter even hit this fighter? These are the things that we think about. These are things I think about when I'm thinking what matchups need to be made and why. Next on the list, man, Jermail Charlo, who just won his WBC title back against Tony Harrison in December. I want to see him versus Erickson Lubin, too. I want to see that second fight go down if you've seen the first fight and Charlo just starts Lubin out and won which I felt like it was a bad fight for Lubin at the time to be taking on Charlo who just won a belt coming off a knockout of Charles Hadley he was on fire Lubin I believe that was like his maybe 13th or 14th fight he was still young in his career I, I truly believe that he needed a few more fights under his belt to really compete with Jamel I believe he's gotten those fights now he's gotten He's gotten better. He believes he's the number one guy at 154. I looked at the boxing rankings this morning. He's the number one contender. He's the number one guy for the WBC. It makes it makes sense. You know, I I do believe Lubin should get that second shot. I think that fight is a very interesting fight to see if Lubin has gotten better. Has he gotten better and can he take the punch of Charlo? Because, I mean, he calls himself the hammer for a reason. Lubin was knocking guys out as well before he got that fight with Jamel and then he got knocked out. But Lubin's a tricky southpaw, man. Jamel calls himself the southpaw killer. Let's see if he can kill Lubin again. Let's see if he can put him out again. But I believe that should be the next fight to be made for Jamel Charlo. If not, Jamel should look to unify with the new champion, Rosario, who just beat Julian J. Rock Williams. Shocker. Wasn't expecting that, but you know, I I believe those two fights should be made for Jamel. If not, let's get a Tony Harrison third fight. They're 1-1. It makes sense to get that third fight going. Um, next on my list is, once again, Vasily Lomachenko versus um, Lopez. Lopez just won a belt. 
Tefimo Lopez just won a belt. He's been calling that Loma. He's a young, strong, young, strong Mexican father, young, strong champion, and he's looking, you know, he's looking very good, and I think he presents a good challenge for Loma. And same thing, man, can can Loma cause those problems, make him think, keep Lopez off of him? Can he take the punch and, you know, just pretty much outbox him and, and, and put that pressure on him and, you know, kind of take him out to those deep waters against a veteran of the sport? We know Loma, he doesn't have that many fights, but he's got a lot of amateur fights. I call I, I really consider Lomachenko a veteran. I want to see if he can take Lopez out there to those deep waters and will he pull him down and drown him? Or will Lopez look to float and swim and, and, and show that he can fight with this veteran in those late rounds? I've really read and seen that that should be the next fight for both of those guys. So be on the lookout for that. Lomachenko versus Lopez. And last on my list is Gervonta Tank Davis versus Tevin Farmer. It's bad blood. Tevin Farmer says he'll whoop Tank. Tank says he'll whoop Tevin Farmer. Tevin Farmer's a defensive fighter. Good, solid head movement. Slips punches very well. Good counter puncher. And we all know who Tank is. They call him Tank for a reason. Man, he, he, he goes out there, puts some pressure on guys. He beats them down. But a lot of people fail to realize that Tank can also box. He has good boxing skills. He has good reflexes as well. And you factor that in, his speed, his boxing skill, and then he has power. He gives anybody trouble. He gives everybody trouble that he goes in there and fights. Gives everybody trouble. So, I mean, that fight should be made. You know, I know the backstory on on that. I've seen those guys, you know, out in public on Fight Hype and, you know, ESPN News and things like that. Those guys have been wanting to fight for at least a good two or three years as well. Tank has been calling out, well, Tevin Farmer has been calling out Tank and things like that. Rumor has it that Eddie Hearn offered him $5 million to fight Tevin Farmer last year or something like that, and Tank turned down. I don't know how true that is, but, hey, I'll be satisfied when I get the notification that, you know, Tevin Farmer is set to fight Javante Tank Davis. With a lot of these fights, man, uh, I'm going to end it on this. A lot of these fights, very, very tough for these fights to be made because of this other side of the street or just the politics of sports and boxing, you know, with all these different um, promotions, it's tough for these fights to be, you know, happen. I label all these guys off by their promoters. You got, you know, PBC and Showtime fighters, those being Spence, Wilder, Plant, Charlo, Tank, well, both Charlos and Tank, and then you got, you know, some top-ranked guys in um, Crawford and Fury, but, you know, obviously Wilder and Fury was able to get their fight uh, made, but you got some top-ranked guys, Crawford, Fury, um, Lopez, and Lomachenko. Then you got the um, the zone and the matchroom guys, Joshua, um, Tevin Farmer. I forgot Benavidez is a Showtime PBC guy, so that fight can be made easily with him and Plant, but... That stands in the way for a lot of these fights to be made, and I hope that we can get away from, you know, that. I hope that the sport can get away from that. Because the moment that they do will be the moment that it'll be easier for these fights to be made, man. So 2020, I really hope that we get away from, 
you know, these guys using that to be the reason why the fights can be made. I really hope that we get away from these promoters not being able to communicate and come up with an agreement for these guys to fight. These guys want to be the best of the best. And it should be simple to call up for, for Bobby and call up Al Heyman. Okay, my guy Crawford wants to fight Spence. Al Heyman can respond, of course, Spence wants to fight Crawford. How can I work with you to make this fight happen? Bob Aaron did it with Al Heyman for the Floyd Mayweather fight with, with Pacquiao. Why can't you do it now with Spence versus Crawford? The money is there to be made. I mean, we've waited a year or two for this fight to happen, and the time is now. It's 2020. You, I mean, the time is now. You're going to make money for this fight. This is a pay-per-view fight. Young, strong champions at 147 who want to be the best. It makes sense for this fight to be made, man. I cannot stress that enough. Spence knocking people out. He's I mean, he had a classic with Sean Porter. Terrence Crawford, he's had classics with guys. He, 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 he came to 47, got his belt. Well, a lot of people say, okay, Buzz moving up to 147. He got to get a belt. And then we'll talk about fighting. He got a belt his first fight. He wants to fight the best at 147. He wants those guys. Let these fights be made, man. Wilder, Joshua. Stop making excuses on the money this and the money that. Wilder offered the money a year or two ago. The money was in the bag, he said, a year or two ago. Just fight me. Let's make the fight happen, man. Let's make the fight happen. It makes sense, man. Those, those two fights, are, I believe, are the toughest to be made. But... I, for one, do believe that those fights can be made this year. I'm standing on that. 2020, we will see Wilder versus Joshua on pay-per-view. We will see Spence versus Crawford on pay-per-view. So be on the lookout for that, man. I appreciate y'all for tuning in one night, you know, for, for the first episode of 2020. More to be made. Like I stated before, man, uh, I will get some guests in here. I will get some guests in here. Um... I'm sorry that I couldn't get those guests in for the first episode of 2020, but it will happen, man. It will happen. 2020 will be a good year. I just want y'all to continue to support me. I want to get this really going, man. You know, I was crawling with two or three viewers. Now, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm getting up to the double digits now, and I, and, and I appreciate y'all for that, man. And, you know, I went from crawling to walking, and now I want to be able to run. I want to be able to run with my podcast, and once I, you know, once I'm running... I want to be able to jump and take off, and now I'm flying. And I want y'all to continue to support me and spread that, you know, top-notch sports is the best thing, working, you know, walking around, you know. So thank y'all, man. Thank y'all for tuning in once again.